Hello and welcome back to Wellness with a Gynae Nurse with your host Zoe. So this is episode two and today I really want to dive into one of my favourite topics around kind of myths and misinformation. So these are five myths and misinformation that we have to stop believing. So today I had a little scroll on Instagram and I just thought, okay, let me have a little look about what is out there currently that people are talking about that actually is no scientific evidence to back it up and that and also why why people are saying these things and i think it's super important and i'm not i'm not doing this to call people out i'm not doing that and i will never ever personally say this person said this but i think it's really important when we think about okay how do i navigate these things and hopefully what episodes like this will do it'll be like okay let me rationalize this in my head. And when I actually take a step back and I think, oh, okay, yeah, that actually can't be right because I know this. Um, And that's very much what I want to do with um, these sorts of episodes. So number one, and if you know me, if you've ever followed my Instagram, you will know that I have a very, very big issue with people calling themselves menopause coaches um, and giving out this perception that as women become perimenopausal into the menopause, that suddenly we have to do something different to achieve X goals. Now, I mean this in the nicest, nicest way possible. But while our body is changing, because we are having, you know, a reduction in our progesterone and our estrogen, we do not need to change the principles of our wellness and our health and well-being. Now, I find this so infuriating because I just think that what you've got is you've got this group of women who are petrified, who are experiencing all these symptoms that go with the perimenopause that they've never experienced before. And you've got these people out there conning them into thinking you need to do X to achieve X goal. So for example, you know, when we go through the perimenopause, you know, there is a risk, most people will experience some weight gain. Okay, so what can I put out there that is going to make women believe that they need to do something different right now to what they did 20 years ago to drop body fat? And I just think it's you're preying on people in a very vulnerable situation. So I will dive deeper into this. But the principles of fat loss are exactly the same for somebody going through the perimenopause that it is for somebody of my age who is not going through the perimenopause. And I will dive deeper. Yes, it is harder, but it the principles of fat loss are still the same. There are some things we need to take into consideration, but we most certainly do not need menopause tablets. We do not need, you know, Meno shakes, something that I saw the other day. You know, the principles are still the same, and I cannot wait to dive into um, an episode around kind of how we can drop body fat in our perimenopause, things that we actually have to take into consideration, and what the science says right now. Um, but that's just, yeah, number one. Number two, now you'll understand a lot of these are just preying on people's vulnerabilities. So um, the if you are struggling with fertility, a great thing to do is go gluten-free. Now, the research that is around fertility at the moment and our diet, the only research that is backed says 
we should incorporate a Mediterranean style diet. So what that looks like is a normal, healthy, balanced diet with good, healthy fats, whole grains, lots of fruits and vegetables. And the one reason why this one winds me up the most is I've worked with women in early pregnancy who are struggling beyond belief with, you know, having a baby, becoming pregnant, losing pregnancies. You know, it's a very vulnerable time for a woman. And if we're saying to these women, go and do X, you bet, you bet if you are absolutely desperate to become a mother and become pregnant, you are going to do that. Now, that's okay. And I would never say to someone, don't do that because I, you know, myself don't understand what it feels like to be in that position. But what I would say is the people putting out this information, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's borderline dangerous. So we know when a woman is um, pregnant and we ask her to eat in a certain way and, you know, she becomes restrictive, there is a higher risk at that point of associated to disordered eating. So if we're saying to a woman, you know, become gluten-free, cut gluten out, you know, what you're doing to is her, you're reinforcing the fact that she, she has to eat in this certain restrictive way. And eventually, you know, not in every case, but in some people, you're putting them at a higher risk of eventually disordered eating. Um, so that is something that I'm very passionate about. Um, and I don't think I've actually spoken about over on my Instagram. So that's, yeah, something that I saw this morning. Another classic I saw this morning. Um, so number three is neat is better for your hormones than hit. Right. Let, let's just all breathe and listen to that one again. Neat is better for your hormones than hit. So for anyone out there who doesn't know what neat is, that's your non-exercise activity. So going for a walk, for example. So it's much better, it's a much better way to get happy hormones is what this post said this morning. Now, if I was going to do HIT, I probably wouldn't get as many happy hormones as what I would as going for a walk. Why? Because person dependent, I much prefer going to a coffee shop, getting a cappuccino and going for a long walk and listen to a podcast or a book rather than a 10 minute HIT. So yes, fair enough. But I think what this post was saying in particular is that Going for a walk is much better than going and doing a HIIT class, which is better for your hormones. But what if you are a woman who absolutely has loved HIIT her whole life? And I say, right, you've got to stop that HIIT and you've got to go for a walk now. It's much better for your, your happy hormones. And this woman is like, well, I actually really enjoy that. So surely that's better for my happy hormones. Yeah, so... Let's all have a little think about that one. Um, number four, um, fasting is good for our hormone reset. Now, the issue I have with this one is that we assume our hormones constantly need a reset. And I see this a lot um, with people who potentially put out that they're hormone coaches. So the best way to reset your hormones, keep them regular, is by sleep. And we've been sleeping for years and years and years and years. Yes, granted, everyone will have different quality sleep. And maybe that's something that we can touch on in another episode. But to think that we fast and we reset our hormones is not backed by any scientific data. Now, 
I'm 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 not I don't have a positive or a negative opinion of fasting what I like to do is I like to take a personalized approach when I speak to clients about fasting so do you enjoy breakfast no I actually don't get hungry till 11 a.m perfect so if you get up at 6 13 you don't have your breakfast at 11 technically you've fasted um, but if if you know I'm working with another client and they say to me, oh, I wake up at 6:30 and if I don't have my breakfast there and then, I know I'll just be hungry all morning and I'll think about it all morning till I've got a chance to eat again. So for that lady, fasting is not right for her. So there is no at this moment in time, no concrete evidence that suggests fasting is better for us in terms of our hormones. It's a personal preference. And I think it's something that we have to figure out on our own. And again, something that hopefully we can dive into a little bit more. Um, A great thing about fasting is for a lot of people in a fat loss journey, it's a great way to stick to a calorie deficit. Because, you know, if you are waking up and you're not eating till 11, and you go to bed, say at nine, you know, realistically, you're going to fit all your calories in between 11 and maybe eight o'clock. So that's a shorter eating window, which makes it easier for most people to stick to a calorie deficit. That has absolutely nothing to do with resetting your hormones. And last but not least, number five, that we can do certain behaviors to detoxify our bodies. Now, this has been going on for years and years and years, and I too have fallen into the trap many years ago are thinking, you know, hot lemon water, detox my body, especially if I've, you know, indulged over the weekend in kind of alcohol and, you know, different types of food that I wouldn't normally eat. Um, But right now, the only thing that helps us detox our bodies is our liver. So if you have a good working liver, your body is detoxing for you and there is no special behaviors to do that. So this was a whistle top tour on the five myths um, that I saw on Instagram today that we have to stop believing and that there is no scientific evidence to back up. So these are quite meaty topics and something that I will dive into a little bit more in each episode um, going forward. Um, But that's just a broad, quick 10 minutes of five things we have to stop believing. Um, If you like this episode, if there's anything in there that you thought, oh gosh, I believe that, um, do send me a message over on Instagram. It's Zoe underscore Lapwood underscore coaching. I would love to have a conversation. Um, Equally, if you want to prove me wrong, you want to show me the evidence, I am always up for that as well. You know, I'm, I'm only putting out there what is evidence that I'm aware of right now and I'm always looking for someone to you know have a conversation and challenge that with me Um, but yeah if you did like this episode please like and share it with um, your friends family Um, yeah and I think that's everything for now have a beautiful day